Welcome to episode 94 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jenstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi, friends. Now, if you're anything like me, you love biohacking, intermittent fasting, and getting feedback and data on what our bodies are doing. Now, when we do intermittent fasting or extended or prolonged fasting, it's hard to get feedback sometimes on how our bodies are doing in terms of fat burning and ketosis. This is one of the reasons that I created the Tone Device, which is a breath ketone analyzer. It can tell you the rate of fat burning your body is in by detecting the ketones on your breath. If you practice intermittent fasting, time-restricted eating, do an occasional 24-hour fast like once a week, or prolonged or extended fasting, it's likely your body is getting into light ketosis. If you are doing keto or low-carb, even sometimes paleo, you may be getting into a deeper state of fat burning and ketosis. If you do a high-carb diet, then you probably get into a light state of ketosis after some fasting. What I love about the tone is that you can simply breathe into it for about four to five seconds, and it will give you instant feedback on the rate of fat burning that your body is at. Now, when we are in ketosis, our bodies are at their highest rate of fat burning, which is what is so neat. We actually breathe out our fat. So the carbons that we are measuring with the tone device are actually coming from our fat. When we practice different approaches like intermittent fasting or doing time-restricted eating, lower-carb diets or keto approaches, our bodies actually make a metabolic switch where fat becomes our primary fuel. And the body takes fat and converts it into ketones in the liver. About 15 to 20% of those circulating ketones are then diffused through our lungs, out in our breath. And it is so amazing. I absolutely love using the tone every single day. I love the biofeedback, especially when I am doing any kind of fasting. And I can see my body gradually get into a deeper and deeper state of fat burning through those ketone levels going higher and higher. Now, one of the reasons I created the tone is because testing blood ketones is cost prohibitive. The test strips are extremely expensive. They are wasteful. You no longer have to buy test strips anymore. You can just breathe into the tone device for four to five seconds and get that instant feedback. It's a one-time investment and you'll be able to test an unlimited amount of times. Now, I always recommend testing with the tone device fasted first thing in the morning 
and testing up until you have your first meal of the day. And you will be able to see differences there, especially if you do a longer fast, you'll see the ketones go higher and higher. And it really is so great to get that biofeedback. Now, for the past year and a half, I've been working on a brand new version of the tone, the second generation tone device. And I am so excited for it to soon be available to you all. I wanted to create a special launch discount for the tone device so that any of you who are interested can take advantage of that discount. I've never discounted the tone device before, but if you are signed up to the exclusive VIP list, you will receive that launch discount. To sign up for the list, you can go to tonedevice.com and enter your name and email address and you will receive an email which you can confirm to double opt-in and you'll be the first to know when the new second generation tone device is available to order and you will also receive that exclusive launch discount. I am so excited for you all to try it so be sure to go and sign up at tonedevice.com. All right now back to our show. One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumers, from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every Every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. 
I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 94 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. How are you today, Jen? I am great. We are really getting close to episode 100. I know. We're going to have to count down every single time. (laughs) It's like a countdown. Yeah, and I want to remind people that they can send us in questions for the 100th episode. Ask us anything. Yes. So for our listeners, for episode 100, we have decided to do a Ask Us Anything episode so you can send us any question you want about anything. Exactly. We are not promising that we will answer every possible question that... (laughs) I'm a little scared. I am too. I'm excited though. (laughs) Me too. It's going to be the one episode we don't have to really prep for. Yeah. I guess we research ourselves every day. Everybody does. That's true. That's true. I've been researching the answers to that one for 49 years, right? (laughs) I know. (laughs) So I have a funny story that happened the other day at the grocery store. Well, I can't wait to hear it. So I went to the grocery store to buy beets. Do you like beets? I've never liked them a lot, but as I've started trying new things, I've actually tried beets. And one time this past fall, I had them and I did not hate them or die. That's always a plus. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. And now this is another tangent. Do you find that you ever crave foods that you don't historically remember ever having? I've recently started craving certain foods that I'm not really familiar with but I would crave them and I had to eat them. And it's like, did I have this at one point or is this literally in my genetic code to That's know interesting. that this food? I don't know. That's what happened with the cashews because I'd never really eaten cashews. And then all of a sudden I was like, I need cashews. And then it happened with beets. I was like, I need beet greens. I didn't even know what beet greens tasted like. That's fascinating though. I don't know. I'm not sure if I have. I know when I was pregnant, I was craving weird things that I I didn't usually eat, like pepperoncini peppers and creamed spinach. I was like craving creamed spinach, but I had had those before. So Yeah. I wonder with certain foods if you have to have had it at some point or if it's possible for you to start craving something that you've never had. Have you heard of the medical condition pica, I think is the name of it, P-I-C-A? Yeah, that's where you crave, where you bite on like... Dirt it's typical with pregnant women, for example. That's I don't think it's only for pregnant women. Because they need minerals. Right, but they'll start eating like chalk. And so that yeah. their body says eat chalk. So they, they didn't eat chalk growing up. Exactly. So yeah, there's gotta be something to that. It's to research on the to-do list. <laughs> <laughs> well, I recently discovered the world of beets, which apparently have a lot of health benefits. They say they're really good for stimulating HCL production, like hydrochloric acid or and bile flow and things like that. The actual beets, of course, are pretty sweet, but I recently discovered that beet greens, like the greens, right, taste, I don't know, they're so good. Like I like them just plain, which is very strange. So I went to the grocery store specifically to get 
beet greens, to get beets with greens. And I was distressed because I got there and all the beets, they had cut off. Oh, like all the green part. Yeah. And I went up to the guy who worked there and I was like, excuse me, do you cut off all the greens of all the produce? Because they did it with like all the other things as well. Like, yeah, we do that because we have to like keep things fresh and it's our rule. And I was like, well, this was at Ralph's. And I was like, none of the other Ralph's do that. And he's like, well, that's our rule here. And then he was like, yeah, the other day this guy came in and he asked me the same question about carrots because he really wanted carrot tops. And yeah. he was like, isn't that weird? Who wants carrot tops? And I was like, why would you ask me if that's weird when I'm asking you <laughs> for beet greens? <laughs> like, yeah. So I just kind of walked away and I was like, Nobody understands me. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> like, yeah. People don't. Th- this is the life of like a modern hunter-gatherer in the I grocery store. I guess so, store. yeah. I do remember I had a hard time finding baby bok choy before. I went everywhere looking oh, it's for so it. so good. I love baby bok choy. I love baby bok choy. I swear I went to like four places. It was really hard. And finally I found it. Yep. Look at us. A little <laughs> modern. <laughs> All right. We've got some listener feedback, and this is from Danyan. Danian says, hey, I just found your podcast and thought I'd reach out to you. I'm emailing you because I thought that my weight loss journey would be able to help your listeners drop some pounds and skyrocket their health. Four years ago, I weighed over 275 pounds. I was depressed and addicted to video games. I played more than 12 hours of games per day. Fortunately, I lost over 70 pounds with intermittent fasting, and I've kept the weight off for four years. More importantly, I transformed not only my physical health, but my emotional and mental health, too. I'm at that stage where I want to share my experiences with others who want to make the same health gains that I did. P.S. I'm just listening to your episode 90. The point of diminishing returns that you raised was amazing. I guess it's about finding the balance of on-slash-off mode and switching between those two modes to not only work hard, but work smart, too. So I loved that email from Danyan. It's really wonderful to hear people's success with intermittent fasting and the enthusiasm that comes and how they just want to share it with others. You know, it's like you found out about the secret. I know. It's like we're in a secret tribe of people that have discovered this amazing health and weight loss secret and we want to share it with everybody. And we're really excited when we find someone who gets it instead of people who look at us like, what? (laughs) Yeah. And I feel like more and more now I feel like it used to be when I would bring up intermittent fasting more, more, I say when it would come up because I got to the point where I was like, I'm not going to mention it unless somebody else, unless it just comes up because I got so tired of people giving you crazy looks (laughs) and things like that. But now I feel like when it comes up, I feel like it's about 50, 50 people have heard about it, maybe even more than that. I think it's really, you're right. You know, I have a blog post about this that I have on jenstevens.com, and I posted it at the new year. You know, 2019, intermittent fasting is mainstream now. People are are talking about it everywhere. So it's not something that people are like, yep, never heard of it. You know, people have heard of it, and that's what's very exciting. A lot of people know someone who's tried it or they've tried it themselves. So, Daniel, we're so happy that you were able to lose 70 pounds and keep the weight off for four years because that just shows, you know, that this is a lifestyle, not a quick fix. Hi, friends. An incredible fasting aid is coffee. Yes, I am all about the coffee. I am a huge fan of its health benefits as well as how it can support your fast and really help with energy and fat burning. And I have a big announcement. The brand of coffee that I have been drinking for an entire decade now, I am no longer drinking. 
there's some drama, there's some science, and I'm about to tell you how to get a discount on my new favorite coffee. So I've been drinking the coffee formerly known as Dave Asprey's Bulletproof Coffee for literally a decade. I do not drink it now, so this is not a Bulletproof Coffee commercial, but I started drinking it because I so trusted Dave and his obsession in creating mold-free coffee because moldy coffee beans is a huge problem and a lot of people can get health issues, brain fog, and crash after coffee because of the mold contamination. Dave has been talking about this for so long, so I really trusted him and I would drink Bulletproof Coffee, which I absolutely loved and loved that it was mold-free. Then there was some drama. Dave sort of got kicked out of Bulletproof. He might be going back. There's a lot of stuff going on with that. Follow him on Instagram if you want to learn more about that. He even talked about it at the recent biohacking conference. But in any case, (laughs) drama aside, he can no longer speak to Bulletproof Coffee as to whether or not it is mold-free. And he ended up making a coffee even better than Bulletproof Coffee. And it is called Danger Coffee. And friends, I love it. It's the first coffee that is not only mold-free, but actually can help you remineralize. Yep, that's right. Danger Coffee contains a patent-pending formula that actually remineralizes your body with more than 50 trace minerals, nutrients, and electrolytes. On top of that, it is super clean. I know people like to see organic labels. Friends, I have learned so much about the certification industry. And honestly, the best of the best is finding people that you trust who do extensive testing and third-party certification. That's what I do with my Avalon X supplements. And that's what Dave does with Danger Coffee. So with Danger Coffee, they use a process that far exceeds government and industry standards. And it is third-party lab tested. So you can rest assured it is free of mold toxins. As for the flavor, Dave selected these hand-picked farm direct beans for their quality, their superb flavor, and their elevated performance. I love the taste of it. It's much richer and more nuanced than Bulletproof Coffee. It's honestly one of the best coffees I've ever tasted, and it's so exciting to know that when I'm drinking it, I'm actually helping to remineralize my body. So that's right. If you want your coffee to contain antioxidants, anti-inflammatories, micronutrients, and help optimize your fasting, you want Danger Coffee. And of course, I have a discount for you guys. You can go to melanieavalon.com slash danger coffee and use the coupon code melanieavalon to get 10% off. Again, that is melanieavalon.com slash danger coffee with the coupon code melanieavalon for 10% off. This is my favorite coffee. Like I said, it takes some really good coffee and convincing biohacking health reasons to break me from my 10 year decade bulletproof coffee habit but sometimes you just got to upgrade. And by the way, this would make epic presents for people. This can just become your go-to present. Not only will people love it, but you'll be helping their health as well. Everybody wins. MelanieAvalon.com slash Danger Coffee with the coupon code Danger Coffee. Yep. And then the point of diminishing returns that he was referencing, that was something I learned in that Atomic Habits audiobook on Audible. And it was basically the idea that when you're working on something and trying to be productive, that when you hit that point where you realize your focus is sort of wandering and you're not really putting all of your energy anymore into the task at hand, at that point, it literally is more beneficial for you time-wise, energy-wise, productivity-wise to switch and do something else and, and then come back rather than try to push through in like your distracted mode. Right. So it's okay to not work eight hours straight on something. You'll probably get more done in the end if you take breaks. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great point. Yep. All right. So we jump into our questions for today. Yes. All right. So to start things off, our first question comes from Mark. 
The subject is celery juice. And Mark says, prior to starting IF, I was drinking fresh celery juice first thing in the morning. I've now been on IF for three weeks, but I miss the beneficial effects of starting the day with celery juice. I can't seem to find any information about if this juice is breaking the fast. Any information would be greatly appreciated, Mark. And I read this question and I actually really wanted to bring it on because celery juice has become a really big thing. And one of the reasons it became kind of popular was I recently listened to the different medical medium books on Audible. Have you read any of the medical medium stuff, Jen? I've not read them, no, but I I have seen the recommendation that he has for For the celery celery juice. I'll go on a quick tangent about the medical medium books as well, because we've actually had questions come in about that before. And, and those books are really, really popular and they have quite a following. And I was like, I need to, you know, check this all out and see what this is all about. Cause he has, um, he has medical medium. He has a liver one, a thyroid one, and then a healing foods one. So I read the original, I read the thyroid one, I read part of the healing foods and and I'm reading the liver one. (laughs) So he has a lot. And it's a really interesting perspective because basically he talks about talking with like a spirit that has been talking to him since he was a young boy and tells him people's health conditions and how to fix it and address it. So it's controversial in the world because it does have the spiritual aspect to it. But in any case, I'm a big person and I like reading things and taking from it what I can learn from it and taking, you know, the good. And if I don't agree with everything, I'm okay with that because I don't think any one person is right about anything. I think we all have to find our own approach. So reading those books, I've, I've learned a lot about a lot of different foods and I've I found a lot of it very beneficial for me personally. He also has a very kind approach that is kind of missing, I think, from a lot of books where he just really makes you feel like, Food is a healing, nourishing, wonderful thing, which I think is something that Jen and I advocate a lot, you know, on the podcast. And he just really advocates loving your body, nourishing your body, and that health conditions that people suffer, it's not your fault. That's true. Yeah. It's actually real. <laughs> Jen, I started crying. <laughs> it's probably only the second audiobook I started crying. Remember I told you I cried at the end of that, The Subtle Art of Not Giving? Yeah. F. Yeah because it was so beautiful. I started crying again at the end of one of his books because it was just so like encouraging well, and beautiful. I, I think that comes back to fasting because you know sometimes people start off and they're not seeing results. And they might be doing intermittent fasting for three months and they haven't lost a pound and they haven't seen any benefits. They're not getting smaller and they get really frustrated. And you know, the typical, what people would say, you know, if you went to a doctor and said, I'm not losing weight, they'd, not all doctors, I just want to reiterate that. But, you know, the typical, you need to just eat less and move more. You know, you must not be following the plan. You know, we've heard that from so many people. They've gone to their doctor and they said, I've done what you said and it didn't work. And then they're, you know, the idea is, well, you must not be doing it. You must be, you know, not. So people feel like they really have been blamed and like it's their fault. And so, what I really want to get across to people is the idea that if you're trying intermittent fasting and you're not losing weight and you're not having results, it's not your fault. There's something going on keeping your body from tapping into your stored fat. But it's not because you're not trying and it's not because you aren't doing, quote, it right. You know, what works for me might not work for you. We know that's true. But people really feel like, gosh, you know, what's wrong with me? something going on in your body, but you have to figure out what that is. 
Exactly. That was something I wrote in my book, What When Wine, is that our bodies don't harbor mechanisms to do intentional self-harm. Right. Even things that seem harmful, like actions that people do, like addictions and things like that, even those are coming from your body trying to make something right that's off in your body in a way. It's just manifesting in a harmful way. So I just really want to encourage that to people in general. And that's why I'm always so big about mindset is that, you know, you can lose the weight, you can heal, you can get better, and it's not your fault (laughs) if you're struggling or if you feel like you're in a rut. So I just really wanted to motivate people. And your body is not working against you. Exactly. It's that there is something going on, you know. It's in there somewhere. <laughs> it's a matter of finding yeah. it. And you may need a, a great health professional to help you, someone who's open-minded and recognizes that it's not just eat less, move more. Yeah. So definitely just want to encourage that. And I will say those medical medium books, so he's not <laughs> he's not a big fan of fasting. So I won't advocate the books for learning about intermittent fasting. But if you are interested in you know, just the healing benefits of certain foods and the idea of healing the body through food, I actually do. I learned a lot from those books and they were really, really motivational for me. But back to the celery juice. I think he's probably the one who really made that really popular. Probably. Because he says that drinking celery juice, he says that, you know, the spirit told him that drinking celery juice was like hands down the way to actually address stomach acid production naturally, which we've talked about a lot on the podcast. So he advocates having celery juice in your fasted state when you wake up, basically like starting your day with it. And just anecdotally, not me, I don't do so well with celery, but people swear by celery juice. Have people talked about it in your communities? Well, we've had people ask if they could have it during the fast. Yeah. So can you have it during the fast? No, it's juice. No, (laughs) no, you can't. No, no. But the good thing is the reason that that the medical medium, the reason he advocates it is to stimulate stomach acid production, which is what you want right before you eat. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. guess what? (laughs) Open your window with your celery celery juice. juice. And it'll do what he wanted it to do. It's actually going to do exactly what it's advocated for oftentimes, and you get the best of both worlds. Yes. Yeah. No kind of juice is going to ever be good for fasting um, because you're taking in nutrients from a fruit or, in this case, a vegetable. So when you're fasting, you want to stick to plain water, sparkling water, unflavored. You want to stick to black coffee, plain teas. You know, teas are the trickiest of all, Melanie. People are so, like, have. I mean, there's like, I had no idea how many things are called tea. <laughs> Like what? Well, like everything is a tea, and it's not even tea. You know, tea is like technically there's tea leaves, and then there's all these things that are considered to be on the in the tea aisle, but aren't really made with tea. And there's like infinite combinations of things for sale that are called tea, and everyone wants to know if they're safe for fasting <laughs> all the time, all day long. <laughs> Everybody needs a little pocket gin, yeah. and it's just like no. No. <laughs> well, I have a standard response for tea because there, you know, there's some bitter herbs that make a great tea that might be fine, just like tea and coffee. But it's impossible to to know for everything and for every person how your mm-hmm. body might respond to it. So, yeah, teas are like the bane of my existence. We get a lot of question about tea. I remember when I, I think I talked about this before on the podcast. Have you ever had that celestial seasonings? Have you ever had celestial seasonings tea? 
And they have like the I mean, they have a whole teas. ton of them, like a bunch of different yeah. types of tea. I used to drink all those, like they have the sugar cookie sleigh ride. Oh, things like that. Goodness. That would be the like con. a sugar cookie yep. in a cup. And then I realized it wasn't gluten free, and I was like, "What?" Right. <laughs> See, the ones like that are easy to say no to because you shouldn't be having anything during the fast that is named like sugar cookie. It tasted like a sugar. Right. Cookie. I used to it drink the um, like a sugar cookie, the apple type ones, like apple pie. Mm-hmm tea you know they had like, like a that. sugar they had like a sugar plum fairy like <laughs> they were delicious here's a good rule of thumb if you're contemplating having something during the fast and you're like ooh, that sounds delicious you you can pretty much Walk say away. that's a no <laughs> you know because the thing that's special about plain tea and coffee is the bitterness the bitter factor so you know our tongues are less likely to have or well not our tongues but you know what I mean we're less likely to have a food is coming response to those bitter tasting beverages than the ones that taste like sugar cookies you know if it sounds really delicious avoid it all right shall we get into the next question yes let's get started this one is from Lauren and the subject is William Schofelt eating after intense exercise Hey, ladies, I'm still catching up with all of the wonderful podcasts, and I'm kind of sad that I'm nearing the end of being able to binge listen on a daily basis. I love your work so much. I just listened to the episode with William Schofelt and had a question relating to the interview. I'm currently a full-time student in college, and with my busy schedule, mornings are the only time available for me to work out during the week. I go to the gym three times a week, twice during the school week, and one weekend day. I usually do about 20 to 30 minutes of high-intensity interval training, followed by approximately 45 minutes of weightlifting. This is the type of exercise I love to do, and it makes me feel healthy and strong. William said in the interview that the longest you should go after doing this type of exercise before eating is two to three hours so that you don't stress your body out too much from the combined stressors of fasting and intense exercise. I have to finish my workouts by 8 a.m. in order to get to class on time, And I've been following a a one-meal-a-day lifestyle where I normally start my eating window when I get home around 5 p.m. Since I can't work out later in the day when I'm in school, I could do so on the weekends, should I be eating earlier in the day after I've gone to the gym? I feel great all day after these workouts, and I love the extra mental clarity and focus I seem to have for the rest of the day. This is extremely helpful while I'm sitting in class, so I'm hoping not to have to eat earlier and lose this focus to the sleepy feeling I always experience after eating. Thanks so much for taking the time to answer my question, Lauren. All right, Lauren, thank you so much for your question. So I'll put links in the show notes to that episode that we had with William Schufelt. That was a really awesome interview. He plays the Red Power Ranger on the Nickelodeon series, The Power Rangers. Yeah, I loved that interview too. Yeah, we got a lot of really good feedback to it. I think the thing that everybody thinks (laughs) right away is, wow, he's really young and he's so inspirational. He's just like, wow, you feel really motivated. You're like, okay, I can do this. Like, (laughs) I'm going to rock the world. He went from being not happy and in school and deciding he wanted to change things to a few years later, he's a Power Ranger star. And now he has a whole carnivore diet that he's advocating and, um, a workout routine and everything that goes with that. And he's also a big proponent of fasting. So it was a really wonderful interview. I'll put links to it in the show notes. But yes, one of the things he did talk about was not overly stressing the body. And so he's a big fan of fasting. He's a big fan of working out. He's a big fan of eating. But he's also, he did draw attention to the fact that you don't want to do too much stress and, you know, put the body into a shocked state with all of these stressors. And so it's hard. So when it comes to exercise and fasting and eating, 
We say this all the time, but you really have to find what's working for you. And I think a lot of people can can do an approach where they're not eating right after exercise and they can maintain that and they can do it in a healthy manner. And if they don't have all these other chronic stressors, for them, it can work. It might work till the day they die and they're good to go. But some people, it may work for a little bit and then it might catch up to you. I think especially women, I think this happens more with women where, you know, it's working, you're doing your exercise, you're doing your fasting, you're feeling great. But then if you start feeling tired, start feeling lethargic, maybe signs of quote, adrenal fatigue, then it's a sign that you might need to slow things down. You might want to do less working out, might want to have a longer eating window, might want to shift things around. The thing is we're not doctors and we can't say, you know, we can't prescribe any particular protocol, but Lauren, so I say this with a bit of hesitation. If it's working for you, I think it's okay to keep doing it. But if you do feel like you're getting too stressed or if you do go through a time where you feel like the chronic stresses are building up or if you do feel like you're not quite recovering, I would really just be aware of that and be very open to adjusting things before they get too stressful. Um, Because I think it's harder to work your way out of an overstressed adrenal fatigue type situation than it is to just prevent it from happening in the first place. So what are your thoughts on that, Jen? Yeah, I think that's excellent advice because, you know, a woman's body is sensitive in a different way than a man's body because we have to be ready, you know, to grow babies and keep those babies alive. And so our hormones are very responsive to what would be perceived as times of famine or overstress. So what we don't want to do as women is over diet and over exercise and over fast and throw it all together because we're trying to be superwoman, you know, at all at the same time. So you are doing a lot of working out. One key about it right now is that you feel great. That's a good sign. Feeling great is always a good sign. So keep paying attention to how you feel. Also, keep in mind that you don't have to do the exact same thing every day. You know, maybe one day you work out and you were like, you know what? I just really need to eat lunch today. And then you do that. And then you also have a dinner later. If you're working out really hard, maybe your body needs two meals that day. So don't feel like, you know, you're failing or you have to keep yourself to one meal or anything like that. You're in charge of what you do and how it fits into your schedule. So feeling great is a good sign. If you ever start feeling the need to binge, like you've been feeling great, now all of a sudden you're wanting to binge and you feel like something's off, that's a sign from your body that you're pushing it too hard. So just always keep that in mind. Yes, and one of the reasons I really liked this question is I feel like we get so many questions about people who have already done too much and now they're trying to work their way out of that problem, whereas this is like an anticipatory question about it, I think that's a healthy place to be at because it's really good that you're aware of everything and you're aware of this now. So you could be looking for the signs of overtaxing your body before you get to that point. Right. That's the ideal state to be in because it's quite possible. You can, you can do this. You can make it work for you. Just know that you don't have to do it all the time. Yeah, I think that's great. All right. So our next question comes from Sharon and the subject is muscle. And Sharon says... Can I build muscle without exercising? Such a small question, such a big topic. (laughs) It is a great question and a great topic. And so I'm going to say the answer to this is yes, (laughs) you can, because let's think about this a little bit. Unless you're completely immobile, you are moving your body during the day. And we're moving our bodies in lots of ways. 
For example, when I go to the grocery store or Costco, let's say I'm buying, I've talked about this before, I'm buying a case of San Pellegrino. I bend over, I lift up my case of San Pellegrino, and I put it in my cart. And then when I get home, I have to get it out of my car and put it into my house. And so when I was teaching, I was walking all day long as part of my work. You know, I might be getting 10,000 steps just as a teacher. Was I doing any formal exercise? No. Was I using my muscles throughout the course of the day just through the motion I was doing and living my life? Yes, I was. So I actually found, now I wasn't doing any formal exercise during the time that I was losing weight. And I found that I had great muscle definition. I was not pumping iron or lifting weights or doing anything like that at all. I stood on my vibration plate sometimes, but that wasn't until the very end. I didn't even have the vibration plate till the end of when I was losing the weight. And I would hula hoop every now and then. I have that in the book. But that was really pretty much it, just living my life. And my muscle definition, people didn't believe that I didn't work out. I'm like, look at my arms. They're like, wow. So, you know, think about children when they're growing and developing, They are building muscle. Babies build muscle. Toddlers build muscle. They're just living their lives, and they're building muscle. We've got hormones that help us build muscle, growth hormone. That's what our bodies do. Now, here's the good news. If you really want to build muscle, add some strength training. Add some exercise. Be purposeful with it. Melanie's talked about wearing the weights that she wears during the day. Doesn't even feel like you're exercising. You're just moving through the day, wearing the weights, and you're going to build more muscle that way than if you were not wearing them during the day. So, you know, we think that you can't, you know, we're, we're told unless you go to the gym and you pump iron, you're not going to have any muscle growth, but that's just not true. What do you think? I really like what you said about the babies. That's such a good argument because <laughs> babies are not lifting weights. No. But they grow muscle. They grow it. Yeah. They even grow muscle while they're in utero. (laughs) You know, they're just laying there in the fluid growing their whole body. Yeah. So when I first read this question, my first thought was, you know, as adults, yes, your muscles need to be stimulated in some regards to put on additional muscle was my initial thought. That said, things got a little tricky based on my research. (laughs) And um, that always happens sometimes. But my first thought was exactly what Jen just said, basically. In a way, you need to stimulate your muscles to encourage them to grow, but that doesn't have to be the gym. Like, you don't have to go lift weights to build muscle. You can make life exercise. Like Jen said, I wear the weights often, and even while doing things like vacuuming or, you know, going running errands, if you lift heavy things, you're going to encourage your muscles to put on muscle. So lift heavy things put on some weights and do some vacuuming, reorganize your closet. You don't have to go to the gym to encourage muscle growth. And then things get even more tricky. (laughs) I actually found a study called the effects of super physiologic doses of testosterone on muscle size and strength in normal men. So this was 1996, but this was a fascinating study They actually had four groups of men, and they wanted to experiment to see how supplementing testosterone would affect their muscle. So I'm not advocating you do this at all. Yes, please don't. (laughs) Yes, please, please don't. But I do think it's very telling because it shows how much hormones are involved in muscle production. So they had one group that didn't do exercise, didn't do any significant 
you know, lifestyle changes. They just lived their life, right? They lived their life, life. did whatever. Mm -hmm. Then they had another group that did not add any exercise or anything like that, but they were given testosterone for 10 weeks, 600 milligrams of testosterone. Then another group, they did exercise, but they were not given testosterone. And then another group, one last group, they did exercise and they were given testosterone to see what happens. Would you like to know what happened? Here's what I'm going to predict. The testosterone groups both grew more muscle. Even the ones that were not working out, I'm going to predict they grew more muscle than the people that were working out without the testosterone. So here's what happened. That's my prediction. So group one, the group that did no exercise, no testosterone, there were no changes. And they were not doing intermittent fasting, by the way, because we've talked before about how (laughs) fasting stimulates growth hormones. So don't, you know, extrapolate this result to if you're living an intermittent fasting lifestyle. The second group who did no exercise but were given testosterone, they put on seven pounds of muscle. Wow. Just from testosterone and not any exercise. That's pretty amazing. Seven pounds. The third group that did exercise but was not given testosterone, Jen was right. They built four pounds. So they were working out and they built less muscle than the people that were not working out. That were given testosterone. And then, of course, the group that worked out and was given testosterone built about 13 pounds. So a ton. Wow. What does this tell us? Like I said, no, it does not tell us to go supplement with testosterone. Not at all. Please don't. (laughs) But it does show that muscle composition and building muscle is about so much more than just working out. That there's a very, very huge hormonal aspect to it and a physiological aspect. There's just so much going on. So that's why doing something like intermittent fasting, where you're really, really supporting, you're putting your body into the prime position to grow muscle. Because when you're in the fast, yes, you're breaking down muscle, you know, with your movement and everything that you're doing, but you're priming your body with growth hormone that when you begin eating again, your body is going to put on more muscle. And so coupling intermittent fasting with a lifestyle where you are using your muscles, be it Maybe it is by going to the gym, but also maybe it's just from, you know, doing errands, doing hula hooping. (laughs) I guess hula hooping would build ab muscles if you're like, right? You're moving all over. You feel that all over, like your legs. Yes, you can definitely, well, you literally can build muscle without exercise with testosterone, but also through lifestyle measures and intermittent fasting. So yeah. I really do think that the increase in human growth hormone is why I was able to build so much muscle when I wasn't doing anything different than I had done before the fasting. And, you know, I had defined muscle. It looked like I'd been, you know, lifting weights. And I had not. And I did not have that before. When I was at the same weight that I am now, like way back, you know, when I was this size, just before I had the whole weight gain, I've been this size before, I didn't look as muscular. So even though I was, you know, the same weight, the same size, my body is different composition-wise. Yeah, exactly. People always think that I lift weights or people think that I'm doing like ballerina. People ask me all the time if I'm a ballerina, which is a very, I mean, that that's a very, ballerinas are strong. <laughs> it's a lot of like body movement. I'm like, no, I just do intermittent fasting and live my life and wear weights around and make life exercise. There you go. So, but if you love going to the gym, if that's your thing, totally keep doing it. And you can pair it with intermittent fasting as well. All right. We have a question from Janet and the subject is wine. Janet says, hi, love your podcasts. Just curious, 
In the intro, you mentioned that wine along with coffee and tea during fasting. Is it really okay to have wine? Thanks. Keep up the good work. You both inspire me, and I'm getting results. Regards, Janet. I'm really glad that that Janet asked this question because um, the way that it's worded in the intro, we say have coffee or tea or wine if it's that time. So what we mean by that is if your window is open. So I am sorry if the... um, the line in the intro made it sound like we were suggesting that you have wine during the fast because that is absolutely not something that is Jen or Melanie fast endorsed. We believe that wine is something that you have during your eating window and not during the fast. So please have wine if it's that time. What do you want to add to that, Melanie? And what type of wine should we have? (laughs) Well, of course, dry farm wines. Yep, Jen and I are big fans of dry farm wines over here. Listeners are probably pretty familiar by now, but basically they make all organic wines that they they test to make sure they are free of mold, free of toxins, low sugar, low alcohol. Basically, if you want to drink wine and feel really, really good, it's completely possible uh, with dry farm wines. So we we love them. If you go to dryfarmwines.com slash ifpodcast, you actually can get a bottle for a penny with your first order, which is super awesome. And like I said before, I think my favorite thing is you get to try all these really random varietals from all these different wineries um, throughout the world. And it's really exciting to try new things and expand your palate and feel super awesome while doing so. Yeah, I really loved with Dry Farm Wines that it was not a wine that you were going to be able to go find in your local store. You know, I've had a lot of trouble finding, you know, quote, clean wines locally. You know, you go to the the nicest shops in town. I don't know. It might be different. You're in California. So I bet that, you know, you can find, but I can't. I can't find anything in my local stores. And so Dry Farm Wines is just the way to get it. Yeah, well, here's the thing about that. I'm really glad you said that. Like, I went into Total Wine, for example, where they have, I mean, thousands, thousands of wines. And I went up to the guy who worked there. And I was like, I'm looking for organic wines. Can you help me find some? And he he brought out of the thousands of wines in that store, he brought me to maybe like five, two of which actually said, you know, organic on them. And the other ones were ones that he knew used organic practices. And here's the thing. I'm sure there were probably more wines in that store where the wineries used organic practices, but it's just these wineries don't, they're not going to go through the cost and the expenditure of getting the testing and getting the label and getting everything. And on top of that, even the label USDA organic isn't talking about how much alcohol it has or how much sugar it has. So dry farm wines is really the best of both worlds because they're going to these, all these wineries, they're finding, they're doing their own independent testing, and they're finding the wines that are organic, that are low sugar, that are low alcohol, that are free of toxins, which I really love, like byproducts from molds and things like that. So they're doing all the hard work for you, finding those wines, so you don't have to do all this crazy research, and then you get to try all these wonderful wines. And then if you really like them, you can actually tell Dry Farm Wines. You can request like specific ones that you like, or you could go find them, you know, on your own. You could just look up that producer and order, you know, direct from the winery. So yeah, I think that's important. But really for me, 
it's it's not as much of a focus here. I mean, people like organic things in Georgia. Don't get me wrong, but here in Augusta, you know, we don't have the wine stores. The the I mean, we've got great wine stores, but you go in and you're like, "Can I have organic wines?" And they they just look at you. I have really realized that it makes an absolute difference as to how I feel. My husband brought home a, a cheap bottle of red recently, and I felt awful after drinking it. I even went back to drinking some of my wines that are, quote, made with organic grapes, which is another thing they'll often put on the labels. They won't say USDA organic, but they'll say made with organic grapes. And um, I noticed a difference from dry form wines, even with that, because of the other differences. You know, that, like I said, the, the microtoxins, the sugar, the alcohol, like all across the board. So I love it. Yeah, it really it really makes a difference and I wouldn't have believed it if I hadn't tried it, gone back to try the others and then, you know, that's just what really makes you a believer. Yeah. I had a wonderful rosé by them the other night. That's really good. Oh, just really quick. I also got really random one of my cr- presents for my sister for Christmas. I got her that that sulfite wand thing. Have you heard of this? No, I don't know what that is. I don't know if it actually works. <laughs> I got her one and me one. I haven't tried it. You put it in a bottle of wine, and it supposedly removes all the sulfites and all the histamine. I don't know how it would remove the histamine, but that's what it says it does. Hmm. People swear by it. So I'm saving it for, I don't need it, obviously, for dry farm wine wines, but I'm saving it for if I ever go out and we get a bottle, which my dad loves to get bottles of wine. I'm going to use it and see. Okay. Well, you know, my husband is a chemist, and they have different things that cause chemicals to do different things and bind with something and remove, you know. So maybe it's, it's you know, doing something. People swear by it. Is it supposed to absorb the sulfites? Is that what it does? I don't know. I, I mean, it's got to put them somewhere, right? <laughs> it doesn't just magically vaporize the sulfites. Harry Potter. I'm a little skeptical of <laughs> magically vaporizing them, but uh, I'll have to I'll have to research and report back on that. I'll put a, I'll put a link to it though in the show in the show notes. Well, if it makes you feel better, right? I know, but yeah, I'm really glad we got that question because it never it never occurred to me that people might get a little bit confused by that and think that we were saying you could have wine <laughs> during your fast. I know, I know. If it's that time. But like I said, I'm really glad that you asked that, Janet, because it was important to clarify. So I hope nobody else has that misunderstanding. And we really appreciate the question. Yep. So it's if it's that eating window time or drinking window time. All right. We have time for one more quick question from Anu. And the subject is nutritional yeast tablets. Hi, ladies. You are my go-to podcast for all my IF info. I love how deeply you research every topic. My questions today are, should I be taking nutritional yeast tablets every day as I clearly can't eat all the servings for vegetables and fruit within a four-hour eating time? Also, can I give trace minerals to my children in their water to combat dehydration? Sorry for two different topics, but these issues have been bothering me. Thanks again for all the work you guys do for us. All right, Anu. So thank you for the question. That's a very random question about the nutritional yeast tablets. I don't know why you are correlating nutritional yeast as fulfilling something that you're lacking from fruits and vegetables. Do you know why, Jen, she would be 
making that connection? No. (laughs) I'm not sure where that's coming from. So nutritional yeast, it is very high actually in B12, which is an important vitamin. And so for a lot of vegetarians, they will often take nutritional yeast for that method. The problem is a lot of nutritional yeast, while you can get it naturally from that, most of it's fortified with folic acid to provide that, which is actually not the exact same pathway and not the way the nutritional yeast naturally would be producing B12. So there is one brand of nutritional yeast I found in the past that I really liked, and I will put a link to it in the show notes. So Anu, I wouldn't take nutritional yeast as a replacement for fruits and vegetables. Like I think we just break that connection. So the fact that it has, you know, the vitamins and the minerals, and she's thinking that she's not getting the vitamins and the minerals from the, because she's not eating as much fruits and vegetables, so that this is going to give them to her. I think that's her thinking. Okay, that makes sense. I personally would not turn to nutritional yeast for the vitamins that you're missing from fruits and vegetables. I just would not put those on the same page at all. We've talked about this before on the podcast. How do you know if you're getting enough fruits and vegetables, especially if you're in a, an eating window that's shorter, if you feel like it's a struggle to get enough? I'll put a link to the episode that talked about that. And I encourage you to listen to that in detail because we did discuss how to rotate your vegetables and not overstressing about amounts and just looking at an overall nutritional approach where you're eating variety, you're eating to cravings, and you're not really stressing per se. So I will reference that. Do you have thoughts on the nutritional yeast? Yeah. I mean, if you want to take nutritional yeast because it's a supplement you believe in, then, you know, have that. Have it in your eating window. Do I think everybody, I mean, I don't take nutritional yeast. I just eat a variety of foods. A lot of vegetarians and vegans use it because it tastes very cheesy, like very cheesy. So they'll make cheese yeah. type products with it. And one of my recipes in What One Wine actually uses it. It's like a cheesy sauce. The problem with me is I tried it and it tasted, I love cheese and it really connects into the the addictive opioid center in my brain, right. like just that taste. So even having nutritional yeast for me was not healthy for me personally, because I, I think it mentally, it created these like a food addictive type behavior that I was not personally comfortable with. But a lot of people love it, don't have that problem. So I think it's fine. So Anu, so you asked about giving trace minerals to your children and water to combat dehydration. So I'm going to give you two answers if you're not talking about fasting, we're just talking about in general. Yes, I love I love trace minerals. Adding them to water can be a really great way to fill in a lot of the minerals that we're lacking, especially with our modern soil depletion that we have today. A lot of even like fruits and vegetables are depleted in minerals because of our modern farming system, which is very, very, very sad. So supplementing with trace minerals can be a great way to get. You also get trace amounts of things that we probably got more historically from whole foods that we're not getting as much anymore. And I personally have found great benefits from supplementing with with different minerals. I'll put a link in the show notes to all of the ones that I like. There are a few that I really, really like. You're talking about giving it to children. That's why I'm thinking this doesn't have to do with fasting. If you're wondering if trace minerals break the fast by adding them to water, personally, I don't think they do. I don't either. Gin. Yeah, I don't either. There are minerals. Yeah, the only reason I'm a little bit hesitant, like a tiny bit hesitant, is um, I was researching a certain supplement recently that had a mineral complex in it. And then like in the fine note, it said that it also had like trace amino acids from the mineral complex. And I was like, oh, oh no. But it was like they were trace amounts like naturally occurring. So that would be a little bit tricky. But I think just the straight up trace minerals, which I will put links to in the show notes, I wouldn't stress about it. So now what I do actually is I tend to open my eating window with some water with trace minerals in it. I really feel like I absorb it well at that moment in time and I find it very beneficial. But yeah, I'm a big advocate. 
I would hesitate. The only thing that worries me is I don't want to give any kind of supplement advice related to children at all. So, because I don't know, you know, they're little. So, I, I mean, I don't know how little your children are, <laughs> but I would talk to my child's pediatrician to make sure you're not giving them, you know, because something that is appropriate for an adult body and especially the amount you would have as an adult can actually cause problems for children. So, be very, very careful that you're not overdoing it with your kids because, you know, we tend to think minerals are good. So, you can't possibly have too many, well, yeah, you can. So just be very, very careful with giving anything like that to kids. It's a great, great disclaimer. All right. Well, this has been absolutely wonderful. So a few things for listeners before we go. So if you'd like to submit your own questions for the podcast, a few ways you can do that. You can directly email questions at ifpodcast.com. You can also go to ifpodcast.com and you can submit questions there. Also, like I said at the beginning, for episode 100 is an Ask Us Anything episode. So definitely feel free to send us questions for that. Just put episode 100 or something like that in the title of your email. If you want to listen to our podcast, we are a Himalaya show, which we absolutely love Himalaya. They are an app that makes listening to all of your podcasts super duper easy, super awesome. You can listen to us on there. You can listen to all the other podcasts you love. You can make personal playlists, leave comments, share things with friends. It's just a wonderful app. I'm personally obsessed with it. So definitely download it. I'll put links to it in the show notes. You can also find us on iTunes and Spotify and our website, ifpodcast.com. You can follow us on Instagram. We are ifpodcast and you can follow us on Twitter. We are the ifpod. All right. Anything else? from you, Jen, before we go? Nope. Just find us on Audible and listen to our books. I'm so excited. (laughs) I know. (laughs) And please, please, please just be patient with Feast Without Fear. That's it. That's all I can say. Every day someone asks. Eventually. It will be on Audible. Eventually. Yeah. Eventually. And hopefully you'll be an Audible member. You can use your credit. There you go. To get that book. Awesome. What When Wine is on Audible too. It's all there. (laughs) All right. Well, I will talk to you next week. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember, the opinions we discussed on this show do not constitute medical advice. We're not doctors. Check out ifpodcast.com for more information on us. Theme music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.